Welcome back to Recruiter Insights. This is a podcast made by recruiters to give you some insights. Today, we invited Amalina to share her experiences from Sam W Corporate World, doing volunteering in Human of KL, with Economic Forum, Trivel, and currently studying in Cardiff University, Master in Psychology. Let's dive into her story to see how does she plan out and step into her passion, psychology. I know it might be a bit weird, but let's welcome Avalina. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Chicken and Wendy. Nice to meet both of you. Happy New Year. Nice. Happy New Year. Okay, okay. Yes. So I Amalina currently is in the UK since like she's taking she's having exam tomorrow. So let's don't waste time. Is it possible you can just give a short brief about your very diverse experience? I know you did quite a lot of small things while you're working in the company. So I think you are, you are the best person to describe it all in order clearly. So I will pass it to you, Amalina. Okay, so maybe I'll start uh, chronologically. I'll start from when my undergraduate degree started. So mm-hmm. I did my bachelor's in chemical engineering and business management um, in mm-hmm. USW in Australia. So after, I was a scholar by uh, a company, Sam Darby. And after that, I joined Sam Darby full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my corporate career as a management trainee. Mm-hmm. So rotating across the different um, Sime Darby businesses. So mm-hmm. from that experience, I gained a lot of opportunity to be in different corporate um, functions. So I've done um, internal audit, sustainability, um, strategy and transformation. And then, yeah, that gave me the opportunity to really explore the corporate organization and then mm-hmm. after that, I joined marketing and sales uh, towards the end of it. Um, so I really enjoyed my time um, as a, in corporate world. But I felt like after finishing six years in corporate, I wanted to um, go back to my true passion, which has always been psychology. Um, <laughs> Why psychology? I guess I've always just been very interested in people and behavior and understanding mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually my first choice uh, in bachelor's, but mm-hmm. everybody, when I told like, oh, I want to do psychology, they say, oh, you can't get a job. <laughs> yes. Same. I received the same, I received the same feedbacks for quite a lot of people as well when I was choosing my degree. So that's why I also choose chemical engineering. <laughs> I, yeah. I studied psychology uh, when I told my family members, you know, first choice when I graduated. All I knew was I wanted to be in psychology. Everybody asked me, what can you do after that? I'm like, I can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So a total opposite in that sense. But people are like, okay, if you can do anything and everything, then go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I unfortunately didn't have such supportive uh, comments. (laughs) Because I was a science graduate. Um, I did my SPM in science stream. Mm. So Mm -hmm. naturally, you know, like going into engineering is something that is safe definitely can get a job, can get paid well, all of that stuff, right? Um, Was that your first choice? I mean, was that your choice to study engineering? In that sense, if psychology is not an option, then did you choose to study chemical engineering or it was just given to you like, maybe consider engineering? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, my family are all scientists. So it's kind of like the expectation is me to do like pure science. Mm. Um, so my parents are biotechnologists, biochemists. My brother mm. is a physicist. So they expect me to go into, you know, the, the pure heart sciences. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do something so, so like. <laughs> hardcore science. Hardcore, yeah. <laughs> So engineering was kind of like the second option because it's not so hardcore science. It's more like applied science. Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's why I chose, I guess, chemical engineering because I was always kind of good at chemistry. And then, yeah, it wasn't something, you know, at 18, you don't really think about it properly. You're just like, yeah, just choose me. <laughs> you just go yes, with what, think... what, what you do best, right? <laughs> I can do... I guess quite a lot of like... I guess quite a lot of like chemical engineering graduates, the, the reason why they choose chemical engineering is because they are both good in physics and chemistry. So that's why they choose chemical engineering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without actually understanding what chemical engineers do. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> if you had a choice, would you choose again to study chemical engineering? Yes, I think. Um, mm. Even though it was really difficult at that time because one, mm. I wasn't passionate about it as much. Mm. And but I guess like it really trained my mind to think very systematically. Mm. Um, That's what you can say. Yeah, it's very cool. Especially once you start working, I really saw the value when I started working in corporate. Mm. Yes, exactly. It has that you know problem solving mindset. Engineers oh. are taught themselves, and yes. you know working in corporate, it's all about solving problems. Like every single day, got a new problem. So how do you solve that? I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my degree as well is the execution power, as the ability of execution. Like I can push quite a lot of things in a in a fast pace. Like I'm able to push quite a lot of things forwards rather than like I was stuck there forever. I think this kind of like was trained under mm. design project because the deadline was so tight. Then the, the deadline was so tight then we have to move. We have to make choices. We have to make choices. So that's why we able to execute, execute, execute and solve problems, solve problems, solve problems. Yeah. Yes. Completely agree. So, yeah, design project. <laughs> Nightmare. Then how about after your... Uh, so I also noticed that you did a double degree, right? Then a chemical engineering. And what is another degree again? Sorry. Is it commerce, right? It, yeah, commerce, business, uh, business management. Business management. So how uh. do you find the other degree as well since you need to do double degree? Um, I guess the double degree was kind of unintended. So Sime Derby initially just sponsored me for chemical engineering, just one degree. Uh-huh. And then um, we found out like, oh, in Australia, it's quite common to do double degrees. Oh. So we asked them like, oh, can we do another degree? And then will it affect our, you know, the bond with the company? And uh-huh. then they're like, yeah, you can do another degree. So we did without affecting oh. the length of bond. So, um, I see. We're like, okay, lah, take this opportunity. Why not, right? So does it and, mean that you have to take a longer time to graduate or is incorporated in, or oh, longer time to graduate? Yeah, so uh, just engineering is four years and then at another degree is another one and a half years. So I studied for five and a half years. Wow. wow. Could have studied medicine. Hot call signs. So I guess I chose commerce or business because it was it was like very complementary to my future work in Simon Derby later. So I wanted mm. to understand a bit more about business. 
but I chose management because it was the closest thing to psychology. It was like applied oh. psychology. It's like right. dealing with people, right? Management. Yeah, exactly. And you you learn a lot of psychology con- uh, psychology theory in order how to manage people. Um, oh. A lot of psychology as well. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed my second degree. Nice. Mm, then I after see, that, once you completed, you came back, right? And immediately started your career journey with Simon Dabi. And that was in the last six years with Simon Dabi. Mm. Can you share how was your working experience like in Simon Dabi? Because it's still a very big name. I think a lot of people would want to work with Simon Dabi. One of the things is like good benefits. <laughs> Maybe you can share the pros and the cons. <laughs> um, definitely good benefits. It's one of the best, uh, especially when I started joining. But I think it has uh, changed a bit last since the pandemic and all of that. Um, uh. And also Simon Dabi used to be a conglomerate. So it mm. used to be uh, plantation, property, motors, industrial, all were like one big company. Right. But I think in 2016, yeah, 2016 is, or 17, that's when they demerged and then they became separate entities. So mm. prior to the merger, like the opportunities were really good because you can learn like so many different businesses in one time. So especially management training, we were rotated across the different businesses. Mm. So I was doing internal audit in plantation, motors, industrial. So I learned so much in such a short amount of time. Right. Um, so that was kind of one of the initiatives by um, Sam Darby was for all their scholars to do internal audit for one year because that's how oh. you learn about the business. Yeah, that's I... quite, quite a smart strategy, uh, internal audit. But, but you only I... learn about the plantation business, right? That one year? No, I did plantation, I did motors, and I did industrial uh, and group head office. Right. So in your first year, you were under aud- internal audit, but rotating among like these different businesses. Oh, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. Only after that, I joined management trainee. So that was two years. Oh. So management oh. trainee, I did like, uh, I was attached to sustainability. And mm-hmm. then... They Very big word. Uh, what is sustainability? <laughs> um, so I guess different companies all have different... Um, definitions of sustainability but for Sam Darby it was the three P's people, planet, prosperity wow people, planet, prosperity as in prosperity. revenue so, yes <laughs> basically <laughs> <laughs> wealth generation yeah, revenue how to make businesses more um, profitable sustainable sustainable yeah and I then see. people is social sustainability and planet is environmental Ah, so as a sustainability analyst, can I know like what kind of things that you need to do? Is it more like an analyst, analysis role, analyst role, or more like a policy execution role? Um, it was analyst at that time. So I was first mm-hmm. attached. I was supposed to rotate to all three people, planet, and prosperity. Mm. But my first rotation was the prosperity. So because of my background in engineering. Um, so I was attached to operational excellence, um, mm-hmm. where we were learning how to, you know, like make businesses more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I was trained uh, for Lean Six Sigma. Mm. Not sure if you heard of the certification. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing that uh, under group head office, 
And then I was transferred to Sanabi Property. Um, so I was doing the same thing, but in property. And then that's when the demerger happened. Like Sam Darby, all the different oh. Sam So then I became absorbed to Sam Darby property lah. And then my remaining four years were all in property. Right. Oh. So what was your area of focus in that four years in Sam Darby property? Um, so first it was in uh, operational excellence. So I did the Lean Six Sigma. Mm. Um, and then the, at that time, because of the demerger, a transformation mm. office was set up. Uh, to help mm. the merger. So it's messy, right? Very messy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually very exciting because when it's messy, that's when you learn the most, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Can you give us one or two examples about like, it's kind of like the mess that you have to help or assist with? <laughs> what kind of uh, dirty laundry you need to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... So, for example, when I was in transformation office, we had yeah. to improve, I guess, the revenue stream of our leisure business. Mm. Right? So, Sanabi Property, they have the uh-huh. property development mm-hmm. side. Uh-huh. And then we have the leisure, which is all the other um, non-property development. So, comparatively, uh-huh. um, I guess it was not um, achieving intended ta- uh, revenue. And targets, uh-huh. so we have to come up with like how can we improve this? What cost cutting strategies can we employ, and what other other new businesses that we can explore to improve this? Mm. So I guess this is more like the analyst role, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm, I see. I see. So, any other example of the mess you also need to clean up because since like the demerger will be quite a lot of conflicts, I guess. Hmm. Um, I guess at that time, like, we were, we were like, there was a lot of streams during the demerger, uh-huh. um, like uh-huh. different areas that you need to look into. Uh-huh. Um, and then we also had like a consultant, external consultant to help us with it. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the um, major consulting companies, it was McKinsey at that time. Uh-huh. So they were the ones that... <clears throat> advised us come up with strategy um, and you guys will have yeah. to implement so we were kind of like the internal consultants we were the one implementing the strategy the strategy that McKinsey came up with yeah so. just curious like because we've been there for six years and um, not many people get a chance to be rotated in so many different functions and businesses given that you know sign up is big and you get an opportunity to do that right uh, what would you say what would be one or two skills that you have picked up since working in Sam Dhabi that you find it valuable until today? Um, definitely stakeholder management, I would say. <laughs> the most important. It's, um, it's quite a big word. <laughs> maybe I'll like narrow it down a bit. Um, because especially my role as first transformation office, um, mm-hmm. so our job is to go actually down to the different departments that we were doing the transformation with and then kind mm-hmm. of initiate that transformation, right? Because you are not actually the one carrying out that. That department is the one that has to. So you have to influence and you have to persuade them why this is mm-hmm. important. So, and then each different department all have like different politics on its own, right? <laughs> and yes. for you as a neutral party, you need to be able to manage all of that. You need to understand 
um, and you need to manage. And transformation office is kind of like the intermediary between, you know, the, the big bosses, the C-levels um, mm-hmm. that is um, requiring that change and versus the one implementing that change, the operational team. Mm. So you really have to be able to kind of navigate the two um, stakeholders. So I guess that was, yeah, the main skill. But secondly, of course, project management. Um, when you're managing so many different projects uh, at the same time, you need to be able to meet KPIs and deadlines and timelines and reporting. Uh, so that was a, yeah, an important skill. Then after your transformation office, you join marketing management work as a marketing manager in business unit two and three. Can you tell us about what kind of the things that you need to do in this marketing um, in this marketing manager after the transformation office? Yeah, so I was actually doing transformation for marketing and sales at that time. And that's uh, how I got, like, um, I got kind of uh, integrated in marketing. Um, um, and then eventually at the end of my management training program, they offered me a role um, and I guess a job you couldn't refuse, um, a role in uh, marketing and to do like operations. And that was something completely new because I've never done operations before. Uh-huh. Um, so it was basically all of the marketing efforts under two townships. So I was looking after uh, Banabukit Raja in Klang and uh-huh. Serenia City in near Sepang, near KLIA. Uh-huh. So the role is basically coming up with all the advertising and promotions for those two townships. Um, so digital marketing and traditional marketing to generate the sales. Oh, I see, I see. That's a good, good place to learn, expand into the marketing side. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I actually enjoyed it the most out of all my mm. corporate. Um, experiences. I think I like marketing the best. It's really fun. <laughs> why? Why? Uh? Apart from being fun, like what? What do you do that is different from your analyst role? <laughs> I think you see the impact of marketing um a bit more. It's more immediate. Like you, mm. and then once you publish it, like the next week, you can see it on billboards. You can see the digital ads coming out on live. Mm-hmm. So you get that gratification faster. Mm. versus like transformation it takes like five years before you see the impact yes <laughs> and by then you might have left the company already exactly so after that how did this mental health thing came about your dream before you started uni yeah i guess i kind of forgot already about like psychology and mental health um, having too much fun in marketing yeah in corporate um, also, I was doing a lot of like other volunteering stuff while I was in corporate. I was writing for Humans of KL. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also volunteering with Global Shapers. I was teaching underprivileged kids um, like English and psychology. So I was oh. like, so swamped and busy all throughout my corporate life. Yes. Okay, let, I think let's us get back to a little bit of all the freelancing you did while you are doing your full-time job. So... You mentioned about the human of KL as a storyteller and also a vice curator from 2017 to 2019, so about two years there. And in between, you're also doing a global shaper uh, in World Economic Forum from 2017 to 2021. So kind of like you are doing two part-time and one full-time. Like, 
Actually, my very first question is like, how do you manage that all along where, where do while you get doing your, time? your... Yeah. Um, yeah, but I have quite a lot of people asking me that. But I don't know. I guess it's like something when you're really passionate about something, right? You just find the time. You make the time. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, is those those things that I do outside corporate is what kind of pushes me to do better in mm-hmm. other aspects of my life. Right? Because... I was sometimes, you know, like corporate has its ups and downs. You're not yeah. passionate all the time. Mm. But when you are doing something a bit more purposeful, that is not just for like maximizing shareholder profit. It like, gives you lies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It just gives me that life purpose. So it kept me <laughs> <laughs> was it on a voluntary basis in that sense? Uh, you're not being paid, but you're just working on it for free and, and on project. Yeah, so Global Shapers is all voluntary. Um, so wow. it's it's an international um, network, actually. It, we have about 300 hubs, two or 300 hubs all around the world in different cities. And Ooh. we are a network of like youth leaders under 30 that are passionate about social change in their home city. Mm, when you say social change, like what type of social change? Oh. Oh, any... So it can be any any you know the SDG the Sustainable oh. Development Goals, right? So any so it can be some are like environmental sustainability specialists, some are more interested in social justice. So oh. I social justice, um, how to like reduce inequality, reduce poverty, all of that stuff. Right, um, and what do you need to do in as a global shaper? Do you? market it you write about it you fight for e- equality <laughs> so um we have a lot of different projects so one of mm. the projects we run is called after five after um, five so, yeah what we do is we go to underprivileged schools mm. um so after, mm. we've done some in kl we've done some in johor we've done some in negeri Milan, mm. and we try to kind of reduce the inequality um, by giving them certain access to, we run like school holiday camps and we teach oh. them uh, modules on psychology, uh, modules on uh, some mm. English to kind of reduce that gap between rural schools and urban schools. Mm. Wow. wow. Nice. So can you give me one or two projects that you things you have the greatest sense of achievements in uh, while you work as a global shaper? So the one I mentioned, After Five, mm-hmm. um, that was something I held very close to my heart um, because mm-hmm. I love working with children, uh, working mm-hmm. with teenagers as well. And to sometimes, you know, like they just need people to look up to. You know, kids mm-hmm. at that age, they're very mm-hmm. impressionable. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. They just need a role model. Mm-hmm. And for us, uh, to, we are all like different backgrounds. There's about 20 of us in Global Shapers. We're all very, very different backgrounds. Some mm. uh, have tertiary education, some don't, but are very mm. successful business people, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we wow. tell our stories. We give them the module first. So we teach them, for example, psychology, how to get to know yourself and mm. what kind of career options are good for you for the future mm. uh, based on your own personality, right? And mm-hmm. then we... Storytell, we share like, oh, this is my journey. And we mm-hmm. try to give the most diverse kind of journeys. So someone who went to university versus someone who doesn't. 
just to kind of show the kids that you know there's so many options in life you don't have to mm. follow one narrow pathway you can do you can still be successful even if you choose different options in life and mm. and usually towards the end of the weekend the kids grow quite attached to us and we are also quite attached to the kids and i just yeah really enjoyed that opportunity to do that how long was the after five project that you have done um about four years now but it's not always the same school so we go to different different schools mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then every school you spend about maybe a week there to give them some yeah. difference uh, then to, about 20 of you will give different stories sharings lah. usually it's a weekend over the weekends because we're all working full time so mm. we we have to yeah block our weekend for it wow very huge dedication I would say <laughs> like after corporate job and every weekend you know, go to Johor, sometimes you go to... Not every weekend, la, but <laughs> only when we have project. <laughs> I see, I see. Okay, can no problems. And also the human of KL. So what's the human of KL about when you were as a storyteller? Then? So I'm not sure if you guys have heard about humans of New York. Yes. Yes? Okay, yes. so... It's the Kuala Lumpur version of that, basically. It's a storytelling platform oh. where you take photos of people oh, yeah. and then you write about their story of everyday Malaysians. So we're on Facebook, oh. on Instagram, but mostly on Facebook. Lah. So we have about 100 odd thousand followers. Um, oh. I will check it out and follow. Do you guys have blog as well? Or only on social media uh, platform for now? Mostly social media. I think they did develop a blog after I left. Uh, they did develop oh. a website for it. Yeah. I see, I see. Wow, I currently I'm looking at the website now. It's quite a lot of different people's stories. Hmm. What wow. did you my learn? parents as well. If you scroll down enough, you can find my parents. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a story about them on Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So does it mean that anybody can be part of them or how do people get into Humans of KL? Um, so I joined them because they were advertising for like a volunteering uh, option. They were yeah. advertising lah. joined as volunteer. And then I joined them and then I really enjoyed what we do. And then I became eventually became a vice curator and working with a lot of other volunteers as well. So it's all mm-hmm. voluntary. But sometimes mm. we do get like um we do get projects with like organization, corporate companies or a few organizations. I've done one with Magic before, if you remember. Magic before it became Maranti. Um, you know, the Malaysian Global Innovation Center, the one in Cyberjaya. Ah, mm. the one that all the startup yes. company one. Yeah. Yeah. So actually one of my favorite projects with was that magic project where they gave us um, access to all of their, the accelerator startups. Mm. So we had to go and interview about 20 startup founders uh, from the magic program. And oh. it was published into a book, actually, by magic. Then also you joined 12Well as a communication consultant while you're still working as a marketing manager in Sam Darby. So what is a communication consultant while you're in 12Well? Okay, so basically at that time, it was during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. This was when 
I guess I finally had a bit of time to slow down and reflect on my life <laughs> because before that I was just so busy doing everything and anything. Um, so when I had the time to reflect, I realized that, okay, I want to pivot my career into mental health mm. um, due to a few reasons. I guess personally that um, my my dad was a is a bipolar patient mm. and like he... He received, um, I guess, treatment from uh, Malaysian government hospitals, and I was mm. exposed to that, uh, being a caregiver to him. Right. Um, so that kind of reignited my passion for psychology and mental health, mm. and I kind of wanted to transition into mental health, but I didn't want to leave my corporate job yet. <laughs> so, um, someone introduced me to Thrive Well. Because I told them, okay, this is my passion. Oh, I went to a career consultant, actually. They were the one who introduced me to Thrive Well. Mm. And they said, like, you know, you like this social justice work. At the same time, you're interested in mental health. And Thrive Well is exactly that. You know, it's a combination of uh, mental health and social justice. Mm. Because it provides mental health care for uh, the underprivileged uh, communities. Mm. So I, I contacted them. And said, okay, I want to join as a, can I join as a volunteer first? So because of my background in marketing and comms, so I joined them as a comms consultant. And we ran a few fundraising campaigns uh, for people to be trained in mental health first aid um, during the pandemic. Because that was when mental health cases were like soaring high. Mm, I see, I see. After that, you... Left Sun Dhabi and become a head of strategy at advocacy. So, yeah. that's is a full time job or is still kind of in a volunteering style. Um. Yeah. So after I was volunteering with Thrive Well for close mm-hmm. to a year, they mm-hmm. asked me like, "What would it take for you to leave your corporate job and join us full time?" And I was like, I've... "I mean, <laughs> do Sorry. they do you get a pay cut to join them? Or can they?" <laughs> was it a huge difference that um, you have to sacrifice uh, for yeah. passion if you take into account like all the benefits and everything right of course yeah. it cannot match a corporate company uh, um, so yeah that's I guess the price of passion <laughs> wow wow what a huge word price of passions so how do you find the uh, price of pa- uh, passions when you at the work as a head of strategy, do you think it's worth it? Or do you think... Uh, Have you ever how do you view the... Yes. No. No. Um, I guess, for me, like, success is not just about how much you earn, right? Mm-hmm. And success to me is, you know, being able to feel, you know, purpose in your work. And mm-hmm. purpose and find meaning and to be able to contribute back. Right, so yes, pay and benefit is just one part of it, but a lot of it was missing in my corporate job. The other parts, the purpose part, and being able to kind of manage both, um, yeah, it it basically I don't regret it lah. Um, mm. and it was because it's kind of like just the starting point of bigger things. Like I have a longer term plan, and Thrive Well enabled me. To give me that, I guess, leg up for me to um, 
pursue psychology uh, more full-time. Was it already in your plan to pursue master's in psychology or that only happened when you were with Thrivewell? Actually, the plan was to go straight after my corporate job back ah. uh, to do a master. So Thrivewell was not in my plan. But yeah. then when they asked me that, I decided to delay my master's for one year and work with them first. Mm. And it was like, now that I'm actually doing my master's, it's like the best decision I made was to not immediately transition to master's. Because now I, I understand about the mental health, um, like scene, right? I understand a lot about mental health from my, a year and a half in Thrivewell. I mm. learned things that were outside of the classroom. So now that I'm actually in the classroom, I, I recognize all these terms they're teaching me, all these theories uh-huh. I've already. So, yeah, I think sometimes your on the job, gives you more value and helps in your studies after that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, tell us about what kind of the things that you have done when you were as a head of strategy and advocacy in Tribe Wells and also kind of like what kind of the highlights of your experience when you're in Tribe Wells? Um, so, so, it was kind of basically two portfolios, right? Strategy mm-hmm. and yes. advocacy. Yes. So, strategy is very much like coming up with five-year strategic blueprints. Uh, determining the direction of the company, um, exploring new business areas, so business development as well. Um, and then stakeholder management, meeting clients, um, you know, presenting, so a bit of sales and business development as well. Whereas advocacy is like marketing and communications. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming up with uh, the website, working on the website, coming up with the annual report, Um and I guess the highlight, the best highlight of my time is coming up with Drivewell's first annual report from scratch. Mm. And, and it was completely done on Canva, not even Canva Pro, it's Canva Free version. <laughs> <laughs> Free version. <laughs> Very resourceful. Three people doing it. And it was, I found it so funny because like in corporate before, we would spend like hundreds of thousands on annual report. We just pay someone, right? Just yes. Throw hundreds then go and get the annual report done. So in yeah. Thrive World, it was like the head of strategy and advocacy have to go and Canva and do it yourself. <laughs> Some more is Canva free version. It's not Canva Pro. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Like it took us longer. It took us like six months to do it. But when it was printed, I felt like, oh my God, <laughs> I felt so accomplished. You can do so much <laughs> with so little. <laughs> I see, I see. Actually, quite curious. Uh, what's who are the Trifwell's target uh, customers? Uh, so we're a social enterprise. <clears throat> so we have um, like a private center. So we have like normal clients um, from different social economic backgrounds to come and see our therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever profit we make from that business, we channel it back to... Um, social causes so we give psychoeducation mental health education to mm-hmm. uh, the PR communities around Kalang Valley mm-hmm. so if you know uh, PPR is the low cost flats yep. the ones that you see the yeah, very high rise one very dense mm-hmm. I see oh okay try well who do you guys work together with Naluri or is social enterprise right? so it's different <laughs> Yeah, slightly different. Um, but we do have sometimes we do have like 
some of our psychologists or counselors that also work in Aluri because mm. they're usually, uh, you know, they're like freelance kind of thing. So we do have some dealings with Aluri, but they are more like the digital mental health side. Then after that, you currently in Cardiff University and Master of Psychology. So quick questions. I want to know what kind of the things that you wrote in your personal statements when you try to get into uh, Cardiff, since you have too much things you need to write in one page of personal statements, what kind of things you focus more in your personal statements? Good question. I'm trying to remember. (laughs) I was struggling with this very exact same thing because I'm like, where do I even start about my story? So I think the opening line to my personal statement was, the question I am most often asked is why would I pivot my, you know, corporate career to mm-hmm. join mental health? So that was like, well, attention grabbing. Wow. Something like that. Very catchy title. <laughs> that actually came from my dad. My dad was the one who suggested that title. <laughs> um, and then I kind of just basically gave a summary of what happened, right? Like I was working corporate, mm. was doing really well, but then I decided to pivot in mental health. What happened to my dad? and the Malaysian mental health system and yep. why I want to do this. Yeah. Why did you choose Cardiff? Like, there are so many universities out there. Yeah, um, so because my background was different, right? Um, I mm. don't have any psychology background. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I found this master's program only available in the UK where you can do a conversion master's. Yeah, master mm. conversion in psychology. Mm. So it allows people without a bachelor's of psychology to do a master's in psychology. I see. So you don't need to do any prerequisite like a bachelor's in... Mm. So it was designed for people with different backgrounds. Mm. And so that... I think there was about 30 universities in the UK that does this. Mm. And why Cardiff specifically is because out of the 30 universities, only Cardiff had a work attachment program. Oh, Yeah, in the last three months, um, you will be attached to a company um, to do some psychology training. That's how you are currently attached with mental health placement with uh, NHS NHS. Wales. Not really. No, so not really. That one is separate. Um, Oh, that's separate. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that one, um, I guess, because I'm not planning to do a clinical placement. So ah. you can do a clinical psychology placement or research psychology or like education ah. psychology. I'm planning to do more mental health policy attachment. That one ah. is happening to September. Ah. So but I do want to learn some clinical skills. I want to be in the hospital to understand um, how it works in the hospital setting. So that's why I'm volunteering with NHS. I see. I see. I see. I so just, just now to... I was explaining to Wendy what is NHS. And NHS basically is the KK in the UK. I see. Yeah, KK. Okay. Same thing. So I'm um, I'm curious uh, because you mentioned about mental health policies, right? So what can you do after you graduated? Like mental health policies. Imagine in Malaysia there is a mental health policies consultant, right? What can this person do to improve the whole mental health system in Malaysia? Mm. Okay, in Malaysia, it's a bit tricky because that role doesn't really exist yet. Um, so in so in UK or in Europe, so a policy advocate is someone who basically 
um, gives recommendations on how to implement certain policies. So like mental health mm-hmm. policy, for example. How can we... In, in Europe, they have this um, mental health for all policy. Mm-hmm. So basically, integrating mental health in all the different policies, whether it's education policy, whether it's healthcare, whether it's housing. So oh, how can we wow. integrate mental health in all of this? So that's a very new thing in Europe. Right. Like in Malaysia right now, how can we implement sustainability in every project? So this is sort of like, how do you implement mental health in every aspect of life like in that sense? Yeah, yeah, basically oh. the similar thing. Oh. I see. So I'm hoping to do that kind of placement so that we can, I can learn from countries that are actually already doing it mm. and hopefully start up something like that in Malaysia, bring it back. Yeah. Do you plan to come back to Malaysia? Eventually, yeah. yeah I, think <laughs> I heard it eventually. Eventually <laughs> lah. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in Malaysia and I feel like that's where I can make the most impact and con- mm. contribute the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, that's true. So how do you... And how do you feel about your master course so far? And also, how do you see yourself from this master course to the place you want to be? Um, well, it's been an intense three months. I only just started three months ago. Yeah. Um, but very interesting learnings and meeting a lot of people from different backgrounds, a lot of people mm-hmm. from different countries, um, a lot of people who want to do different things as well. And... I guess for me, I'm still discovering as well where exactly I want to take uh, mm-hmm. my next journey. Um, and who knows, I might not even want to go to policy after, might want to do something else. So, <laughs> yeah. still How long is your master's program? Two years? Uh, just, one, just one year. Oh, that's not bad. Uh. One year, short course. Very intense course. But it, <laughs> yeah, intense. La. Yeah. I see, I see. Okay. Uh, so if let's say, because since you have such an interesting experience so far, then um, like, I guess you also understand like uh, psychology is always your passion, but in the middle of your career, you kind of like, I wouldn't say lost it, but you kind of like didn't see it in front of you. Then you try to go to other ways and now eventually back to psychology. So how will you tell the people out there who kind of like have a very deep feelings about what they really want at the beginning and but kind of like in a different direction now? Um, you mean if they want to change their direction, is it? Uh, the reason why I didn't want to continue is because either they are stuck or not sure if they want to change that direction or not. Mm. Yeah, I think first things first, they need to recognize that with everything, there's a price to it, right? <laughs> yes. Sacrifice, actually. So I think being Are very you realistic, willing to sacrifice? Yes. Being very realistic about what you have to sacrifice is very important, mm-hmm. right? So for example, like, if... Perhaps if I was, you know, if I was married and had kids, I wouldn't be able to make this shift because I have to just put foot on the table and mm-hmm. continue providing for my family. Um, but maybe it's for other people who don't have that, um, I guess, opportunity, they might not be able to do such a drastic change. Mm-hmm. So I think you must be very clear about that. And But it doesn't mean that you cannot. You just if you realize the sacrifice is not something you can do right now, maybe you have to plan for it. Take time mm-hmm. before you immediately change, right? 
um, even me leaving my corporate job, I didn't do it like just overnight, right? Like I had to plan financially if I was going to take a huge pay cut, how am I going to survive? How am I going to do all of this? Um, so yeah, just be realistic and don't take unnecessary risk. Some risk is required, but be calculated about your risk. Lah. Take calculated mm. risk. <laughs> but I like how you your journey plan out in that sense. Um, uh, I mean, it looks like it's progressively like well planned out, but actually every step that you go, I think you pick up and you learn something. Uh, before you leave your corporate job, I guess that pockets of experience help you to land where you are today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I would be honest though, like during that, I didn't plan it that way. I was just kind of doing what my heart told me to do. So all this random volunteering. Have you ever thought of giving up like when times are tough and things are tough? Have you ever thought like, well, maybe I just continue my corporate job and do my side project (laughs) and help out and that's where I will find my purpose and this is a place, corporate job gives me money. Yeah. (laughs) Side project will give me purpose. (laughs) yeah definitely and that's something I guess in a way that I continue to tell myself if everything goes bad I can always go back to corporate right (laughs) and in a way that it hasn't reached to the point where it's that bad that I need to go back to corporate yet (laughs) Ah, I see how okay I mean I believe your parents are supportive now in the sense that you're doing your masters like how did you manage to convince your dad or your parents right it's like I'm gonna let go of my very bright corporate future job to do something else. Um, my dad has always been very, very supportive. Like, uh, I guess he's um, Masale, right? So Masale is all about like, go with your passion and do what like, your heart do is calling. Your heart's tell you. Uh, so my dad is very cool uh, about that. But my mom is the Asian one. So she's Malaysian and a bit more like, you know, like very, like, why would you do that? She was, when I first told her, her face was so like, why would you do that? Why would you? So like disappointed like that. But eventually, you know, I told her what, what is going through and my, everyone kind of, everyone else supported me, like my dad, my brother. Mm. So they convinced her bit by bit. And then eventually she started seeing it and she saw how much happier I was mm. um, in doing like work in Thrive Well. Mm. Um, so yeah, eventually she, yeah, she gave in, I guess. <laughs> she accepted it. That's good. I see, I see. Great. Uh, Ken, I guess that's all about it today. Wendy, do you have anything else you'd like to ask? Mm, no, not really. But I would love to see what you can do after this. La, because you've only been there for three months, right? Like, what else do you It's a very new journey. Learn? Yeah, it's new. La, it's new. Yeah. Hopefully, yes, we can it- see the very first mental health policy advocators, Amalina, in Malaysia in the future. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Ken, I guess that's all about it today. Thank you, Amalina, for joining us in Recruited Insights to share her very diverse experience and take almost about 15 minutes to really understand her experience, her passion in psychology and her pathway to come through all of that. I really love to listen to all of these stories. I can feel the passion that you have in psychology and hopefully we both hope Malaysia can be a better place for mental health in the future. Uh, 
So before ending this episode, uh, Recruiter Insights are av- available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are also available on Instagram's Recruiter underscore Insights. Uh, thank you for listening today. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So after I was volunteering with Drivewell for close to a year, they asked me like, what would it take for you to leave your corporate job and join us full time? If you take into account like all the benefits and everything, right? Of course, it cannot match a corporate company. Um, so yeah, that's I guess the price of passion. <laughs>